following is a presentation of Bridges Community Church. Our teacher today is Pastor Nate Glaze. For more information on Bridges Community Church, visit us online at www.bridgescc.org. Breaking the Mold is a year-long campaign. For all of 2014, we're going to be focusing on three important themes. First, how do we live intentionally? How do we live in community? And how do we live for the story? The story being the good news of Jesus Christ. The beauty of this campaign is we're not asking you to sign up for another program or volunteer to be out of the house another night of the week. Instead, we're asking you to do what you already do. Instead, though, do it on purpose. To accomplish this, we're going to ask everybody who calls Bridges their home to make three foundational commitments. First is every day, Pray for five of your non-Christian friends that they would come to know the Lord. Second, invite each of those five friends to be a part of your Christian community. And last, to engage each of those five in an intentional spiritual conversation, a conversation about the story of Jesus. As a church, we're going to be holding each other accountable for these commitments. We want to be a place that develops intentional communities to invite our friends to be part of. If you are already involved in a life group, it's a great place to start. Most likely, your life group already does some sort of regular socializing. Maybe it's a day trip to the beach or or a potluck. Well, next time you have one of those, uh, we want everybody in your group to invite somebody from their list of five friends. Let me give you a a quick example of what I'm talking about. Last year, my wife and I decided to throw a, a birthday party for Jesus. We did this because we wanted our daughter to understand the Christian significance of Christmas. So we invited a bunch of our friends with toddlers. Some of those friends came from right here at Bridges, and other of our friends came from other circles of of relationships we have, people who don't know Jesus. And what was cool for me is I have some friends that I've known for years, but I've never really had a chance to engage in an intentional spiritual conversation with them. And at the party those friends connected with some of my other friends, friends from here at Bridges. And when I walked by them, I heard them engaging in some pretty deep spiritual conversations. And what I realized in that moment is that I am not alone, that God wants me to engage my friends in spiritual conversations, but that my Christian community also has a role to play, not only in sharing the good news of the gospel, but also modeling it in the way we live life together. So we are asking you to do some similar things in your life group. At least three times a year, Uh, we would love it if your life group threw a party or went on a trip together or even volunteered together at an impact day or something like that. And when you do these things, we want everybody in your group to be inviting their five friends to be a part of that with you. All right. Good morning. So this morning, we're continuing our series on breaking the mold, and we're going to try to bring some clarity to what it is we're talking about and and to really just get excited about what God has in store for us over the course of this next year. Now, I know some of you guys probably aren't uh, quite there yet, right? We're all a little bit on a journey. I remember uh, a couple months ago, actually about a year ago now, our elders and Pastor Ron were asking me, hey, we want you to spearhead kind of this evangelism campaign, this campaign about us sharing our faith. And I was kind of struggling with that a little bit, you know. And um, one of the things that, that, came, that happened in my life is um, it's been about, about six months ago now. Uh, we live in a neighborhood kind of downtown San Jose that has some social problems, you know. And 
uh, we get a lot of like Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons and different Christian groups that come through to, to evangelize our, our neighborhood. And one day I get this call. I'm on my way home from church, and I had some things to do after church, so I was going home a little bit later than my wife and daughter. And my wife calls me. She said, hey, when you get home, uh, we're down at the DMV parking lot. Okay, cool. That's like a big parking lot. We live right by the DMV, and there's nobody there on Sunday. So I, I go home, and then I'm walking down to the DMV parking lot. And as I'm walking down, I see this massive crowd of people all standing kind of in a circle at the DMV. I'm like, all right, I wonder what this is all about. And as I kind of approach, I see all the men standing in the back doing this kind of thing, right? And then up front, all the moms are kind of standing there. And in front of them are all the kids, you know, kind of sitting on the ground. And in front of them, right in the center, is this brand new fancy bike. And a couple of, like, young adults, all in, like, suit and ties, or the women are in, like, full-length dresses. And there's this young guy preaching a sermon. And kind of the, the, the trick here is, or the thing is, if you listen to the sermon, you have a chance to win this bicycle. And, uh, all right, it's whatever, <laughs> it is what it is. And I'm standing back, kind of with the men, doing the man thing, right? And, and uh... I just had this uncomfortable feeling in the bottom of my gut, right? As I'm listening to this guy preach this little sermon, to be honest, I agreed with almost everything he said. He was preaching the very thing that I believe and I hold most dear to my heart. But as I was hearing it, as I was looking at what was going on, it just, it made me feel uncomfortable. It was like they were bribing us with this bike or since we were from a poor community, these rich kids could come in and, and, and kind of win us like we were some sort of commodity to win. And it just, it felt uncomfortable. And I remember I'm walking home, and I'm just kind of moping and groaning to my wife. Ah, oh, guess that, that, what poor methodology. And, and, and then it struck me that this little church had been in our neighborhood for one hour, and they had shared the good news of the gospel clearly and openly with my neighbors. And I had lived in this community for eight years, and I didn't even know most of the people's names standing around that circle, much less share this thing that I claim is the most important thing in my life, my relationship with Jesus. And I was humbled by it. And part of what we want to do in this Break in the Mold campaign is not focus on a program. It's not focus on a methodology or what we should or shouldn't do, but instead say, hey, if we truly believe that Jesus is the most important thing in our life, then we need to start talking about it. We need to break the mold. We need to get outside of this unintentional living we're doing and start living intentionally. So I can't do nothing without an illustration. So I'm going to illustrate it this way, all right? This kind of represents our life, and this is the mold we get stuck in. And if you're like me, most of your life just sort of happens, right? It's not like really on purpose or anything specific. You just kind of live life, and, you know, maybe you're out in the front yard, you're mowing the lawn with the neighbors, and you complain about how the garbage man doesn't put your trash cans back right, or you're at work standing around the water cooler talking about the new program you're working on or the new project, or you're at your kids' sporting, you know, your kids' soccer games, and you're talking about the upcoming game, and we just live our life relatively unintentionally, right? And as a result, months, years, hundreds of conversations go by, and the people we care about most in our life, we often don't share about the thing that we believe in most the story of Jesus. And so this break in the mold campaign is, is pretty simple. We're going to break out of this mold, and we're going to do it together. We're going to talk. I'm going to have to vacuum. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about how it is that together we can get better at this, that we can live our lives intentionally. We can live our lives on purpose for the sake of the gospel. 
as we're kind of thinking about this, I'm reminded of, of a passage that, that Paul writes in Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, 16, he writes this. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek, for it is the righteousness of God. Uh, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Do we believe this? Do we, can we say with Paul that I am not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel, the good news of Jesus is salvation. This is the story that changed my life. This is the story where God, the creator of the universe, got a hold of my life and has changed me. So now I am in relationship with him. Do I truly believe this? If I do, why so often are we ashamed? And let's just be honest that at some levels, all of us struggle with this. And while most of us in here would probably like to say, I am not ashamed, at times all of us could not authentically say that. And so to break the mold, we're going to work at how it is that we can truly say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and I'm going to share it openly and freely. The passage we're really going to focus on today is out of 1 Corinthians. And in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to this church, and one of the issues that they're struggling with is this apparent issue about meat sacrificed to idols. See, the city of Corinth is a very religious city, and there's lots of temples all around the city to different, different gods and goddesses. And part of what happened at these temples is people from all over the area would bring their sacrifices, they'd bring them into the temple, and they'd sacrifice the, these animals, and a lot of the meat from those animals ended up making it onto the marketplace, right? This was sold openly. It was hard to tell if it was even meat sacrificed to idols or not, or if it was just normal production meat. All the festivals, all just even the religious and just kind of uh, social festivals, most likely had lots of meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And the early church here wasn't sure what to do with this. They, they were questioning Paul. They said, Paul, if we eat this meat, are we somehow spiritually tainted? Are we somehow participating in these religious uh, festivals that are happening? And, and then what I, I believe happens and what I, I think is, is pretty clear is they started to kind of pull back a little bit. And instead of going over to their neighbor's house for dinner, they, they might not have because they weren't sure where that meat came from. And they were no longer going to the festivals because they knew if they went to the festivals and they might be eating some of this meat. And so more and more the Christian community was starting to become isolated from the community at Corinth. And, and the deeper, the more profound things that we see Paul getting at is what was happening is the more isolated they became, the less the community of Corinth was hearing the good news of the gospel. And so Paul writes back to them, and he addresses first the meat sacrifice to idols, says, hey, it's not about the meat. But then he takes it even a step further, and that's what we're going to read in 1 Corinthians 9. And he says, this is what should drive your life, the good news of the gospel. And it really, I think, gives us a, a lot of hope for how we can break free, how we can live outside of our, ourselves and, and share the good news of the gospel. So let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, starting in verse 19. Uh, it starts with this. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law, to those outside the law. I became as one outside the law, 
not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you might obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So here Paul turns us back around. He says, if you want to break the mold, if you want to get outside of these of your own comforts and, and desires, you need to learn to sacrifice. And the first point we're drawing out of here is breaking the mold requires sacrifice. He says it's not about the meat. The meat is just meat. But what is more important to Paul is six times in this passage, he says, I have become like the Jews or I've become like the Gentiles so that I might win some or that some might be saved. And what he's getting at here is this is what is important. This is what matters and remember Paul. Paul has experienced just this incredible transformation in his own life. Paul has gone from being somebody who actively sought out and killed Christians to now somebody whose life focus is about pursuing Jesus. And he used to be the most pious of all Jews, and now he's received all this freedom. He no longer had to be under the bindingness of this law that he used to hold to. And he wants that same freedom for all these people that he's coming in contact with. For Paul, this meant when he was hanging out with his friends who were followers of Judaism, that he subjected himself to that same rigid social code that they were subjected to. Now again, remember, Paul has been freed from this, and I would imagine that there was just a certain relief that he felt. That he no longer had to constantly be checking every box and making sure he did everything good and everything perfect to win the favor of God. He now had freedom. But he said, you know what? If it means these people will hear the gospel better, I'll put myself back in that. I will, I will intentionally limit myself. When he was hanging out with the local Corinthian people there, non-Jewish people, he says, I, I purposely don't subject myself to the law. I don't stress out about food sacrificed to idols or being uh, ceremonially washing my hands. Now, again, part of this, I think, probably was part of Paul's freedom that he felt. Like he no longer had to do all these Jewish laws and customs. But part of this probably was a little bit of a struggle for him, too, I would assume. I mean, he grew up his whole life being very pious. I imagine even as he was hanging out at these people's houses, eating food at their house, he probably heard his mom's voice in the back of his head going, you shouldn't even be eating with these people. This is, you are now ceremonially unclean. And, and maybe, I, I don't know, but maybe what would have been easiest for him to say is, okay, I'm not going to hang out with those people because it just doesn't feel comfortable. I'm not going to do those things because it just doesn't feel right. But he says, for the sake of seeing someone, I will do it. I'll become weak if that's what it takes. And um, so I think what, what we need to, to realize here is that part of what is getting at, what Paul is getting at, is we need to intentionally self-sacrifice our own comfort, our own desires for the sake of others. 
I don't know about you guys, but I have never really struggled with meat sacrifice to idols being a big deal in my life, right? I've never, like, gone over to any of your houses and been like, hey, is that steak? Is that, was that sacrifice to an idol somewhere? That just is not part of my culture. It's not part of what I have to, to struggle with. But what are the things in our lives that are keeping us from sharing our faith? from keeping us from talking about Jesus with our friends and family. And I'll be honest, one of the things for me is just about the way I'm perceived, right? I don't want to be perceived as some sort of religious zealot, some sort of kind of out there freak, right? Or maybe it's I don't want my friends to ask me awkward questions that I don't want to answer. I don't want to talk about my beliefs on homosexuality or, or, uh, or hell, right? And so I, I kind of avoid spiritual conversations so that we don't have to talk about those things. And, and as a result, I, I end up insulating myself from those conversations. Or there's another issue I have, and that's you guys, actually. Uh, I really like hanging out with you, and we spend a lot of time together as a church. In fact, if you come to church here on Sunday mornings, you're involved in a life group, and you volunteer in a ministry outside of that, you're pretty busy. You don't have a lot of time left in your social calendar. And on top of that, you don't really need to talk to any of your non-Christian friends about spiritual things because you are spending lots of time talking about spiritual things just with people inside this church. And part of the Break in the Mold campaign is saying, we've got to get outside of that. We've got to quit saying we've got our Christian friends where we talk about spiritual things and we have our non-Christian friends where we talk about everything else and we've got to start blending those two things together. And so how are we going to do that? And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit in the Break in the Mold campaign. How can we get our groups of Christian friends and our groups of non-Christian friends and interact together and hang out together and talk about these things together? I was sharing this with one of uh, the leaders in our church, a very godly man, somebody I respect a lot. And he's in a life group with very godly people, people who have been Christians a long time. And he was telling me, he says, you know, Nate, one of the things I'm worried about is if I started hanging out with my old college friends, and my small group together, one of the things we do with my old college friends is, you know, typically we get together and we, we drink a beer or so when we're hanging out. And he goes, I'm afraid that, that that just would be awkward if my small group was around or what my Christian friends would think or what my non-Christian friends would think about my... I think we need to break the mold on this. We need to start living authentically in whoever we're with. We should be able to see, say, I am who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus and this is my life. And we need to to bring those two together. It might mean talking about these things with your life group. Say, hey, here's, here's what's going on. How can we do this together? And, and we need to break the mold. So breaking the mold, it requires sacrifice. But Paul also gets at another thing here, and that's that breaking the mold, it requires discipline. He uses the illustration of a runner running a race. And he says that, hey, lots of people run races, but only one person wins it. So run it with self-control. Run it in order to win. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to work hard at this. I, uh, a couple of months ago, I entered into a mountain bike race. And uh, it was like this kind of endurance race. It was about 50 miles, and it was up and down mountains. And I had two goals in this race. One was to finish the race, right? And the second one was not to come in dead last, you know? And... Uh, so I go down, and I trained really hard, as hard as I could for a dude with a toddler at home. And, and I go down to the race, and as soon as I pull into the parking lot, I'm nervous, right? These guys are all spandex-clad, and they're, like, passing, like, handing off water bottles with their spouses, you know? And they're all in, like, matching uniforms. I'm like, oh, jeez, you know? 
And, and I start riding, and for the first 25 miles, things are going well. I'm having a blast. We're just tire to tire. We're just kind of passing each other, and it's, it's, we're having a good time, or I'm having a good time. And then at the 25-mile point, there was actually two races happening simultaneously. There was a 25-mile thing, and there was a 50-mile thing. And everybody I'm riding with, literally everybody I'm riding with, turned off at the 25-mile mark. And I was like, ah, oh, Seriously? And for the next 25 miles, I did not see a soul. <laughs> it was terrible. I'm riding along. I'm like, I'm a dead last. This is miserable. At some point, I got like a piece of sand in my eye. So I was like one eye in it through this thing. And I limp across the finish line. I come down, and there's like three people going, woo, good job, buddy. Way to do it. You know, and I'm like, ah, oh, man. And I put my bike on the car, and I kind of get cleaned up, and I'm working this thing out of my eye. And then I go into the restaurant, right, where they're kind of the, you know, they're giving away awards. And most of the people had already gone home. You know, a couple of people had already drunk from like 10 beers. I'm like, this is miserable. And I walk over to like the, the little registration area and I'm looking. They got this printout. And I look down and I see my name. And I finished in four hours and 59 minutes. And I was dead last on the list. <laughs> it's just like, ugh. And this race was down outside of L.A. So I've got like six hours to just drive home and feel bad about myself. You know, and I'm... I'm driving home, oh, I'm an idiot, oh, this and that. And I decide to pull over at this diner. And I get out my phone, and I go, well, I'm just going to look at the promoter's website and just see. And I pull up the little PDF that has all the times. And I realize something, that the printout I saw cut off at five hours. And I ended at four hours and 59 minutes. And there was actually 14 people <laughs> who finished after me. <laughs> Which, yeah, thank you. This is, see... That's right, which means I came in 76th place out of 91 or whatever that night. And I'm in this diner. I'm like shouting like, woo! And how stupid is that, right? It's a PDF on a website that probably nobody else will see. And that's exactly what Paul's getting at. He's like, hey, we watch these Isthmus games every year, and these guys train their entire lives so that they can run. And at the end of the race, they get this stupid little wreath made out of pine needles, and they put it on their head, and they feel really good, and then the pine needles rot, and it's gone. How much better is it if we discipline ourselves to share the good news of the gospel, something that lasts forever, something that's eternal? But it requires discipline. I don't know about you guys, but most of the time in my unintentional living, I don't just happen about sharing about the most personal things about my faith and relationship with Jesus. It just doesn't come out unintentionally. It requires discipline. How much time do we spend thinking about this? How much time do we spend really praying and asking God, God, give me opportunities? Because the reward is so great. You know, in my role, I've had an opportunity to see quite a few people come to Christ. And I've gotten to be a part of that. And every one of those situations just brings me just awesome joy. I can still remember 10 years ago sitting in the front seat of my pickup with another guy. I was giving him a ride home. And on the way home, right in front of his apartment there, uh, he's, we're talking. And I get an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. And in that moment, he accepted the gospel. And it totally transformed his life. It's changed his life from there and on into eternity. And to this day, every time I think about that guy, I'm reminded of the great joy that I got to share in to be a part of that with him. When I see him on Facebook, I'm stoked to remember what God has done in his life. And that is the reward that this break in the mold is all about. It is about getting to be a part of the very plan of God. So let's talk about it. 
How are we going to do this? If it requires discipline, then we got to work together at this. we got to work hard at this. And that's why we're spending an entire year on it. This is not just a sermon series. It's not just five weeks and we're going to forget about it. For the entire year, we're going to be making commitments. We're going to be asking life groups to hold each other accountable. Every month, we're going to be talking about it. We're going to give ourselves a chance to kind of recommit to this. And together, I believe it's going to be awesome as we see people come to know and to worship Jesus. So how are we going to do it? How are we going to break the mold? And we got three things that all start with live, okay? So they're kind of easy to remember, hopefully. First thing is we're going to focus on living intentionally. Next week, we're going to spend the entire sermon just talking about this. But really what this is getting at is not about adding another thing to your schedule. I, you guys are busy. You don't have time to add something. This is not a program that we're asking you to do. This is about doing the things you're already doing, but doing it with intentionality. So do you got kids? You throw birthday parties for your kids. Who comes to those parties? How do you, how do you have conversations at those parties? Do you recreate? Do you mountain bike? Do you play croquet or golf or whatever it is you're into? Who do you do that with? How can you be intentional in those relationships? You got a job. Does your job have a coffee pot or a water cooler? Who do you talk with around that? Who do you invite out to lunch? What kind of conversations can you have? It's about doing the things we're already doing, but doing them on purpose. Too often we think of having spiritual conversations or evangelism, we think of it as a program, right? It's we're going to go to San Francisco and go to the Tenderloin and spend an hour sharing the gospel with people. Or it's going down to Mexico and and sharing the gospel with kids down there at an orphanage. And, And there's nothing wrong with those. I'm not trying to slam those. I think those are some great programs. But those are an hour of your schedule or maybe a week out of your schedule. And I believe that God doesn't just want one time slot in your calendar. I think he wants the whole thing. So how do we take the whole thing and be intentional about it? How do we live on purpose? You know, I had a, a neighbor a while back, and uh, I got to kind of experience trying to be intentional in my relationship with him. His name was Uso, and Uso was a, a recovering meth addict, and he needed friends, and he was kind of a needy dude, right? And, but I, I was going to be intentional about sharing my faith with him and really building into this guy's life. And Uso, at some point in his life, had been a concrete worker, and he really believed he could do concrete. And I just kind of had this sense that he really didn't know how to do concrete. You know, you can kind of know that about some guys. And I had this concrete job I had to do on the side of my house. And I knew he was going to want to help me. And I didn't want him to help me. But I was like, you know what? I need to be intentional about building into this relationship with him. So I saw him one day. I'm like, hey, Uso, I'm going to pour this concrete. You want to come give me a hand? Yeah, sure. And to this day, I will not tell you I did that. Because it's embarrassing. But during the time, we got to have great conversations. I got to share the good news of the gospel with him. So, so what that I got jacked up concrete on the side of my house, right? I got to experience the joy of sharing the gospel and watching Uso really connect with this truth. So it's about living intentionally. And one of the things we're going to do to help us live intentionally is we're going to ask everybody to find, to think about five people that you can start praying for. And we're going to ask you to pray for those people every day. Pray that God change your heart, that God give you opportunity to share the good news of the gospel with them. And that's going to do two things. One is as you pray for those people every day, it reminds us that this is not our job, that this is God. And God, if they're going to come to believe and to give their life to Christ, it is solely through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not because you have some clever thing to say or you've got a really nice track or you say the right thing. It is that God is going to get a hold of their life and change their life. And so we're going to God saying, God, you got to do this. 
But it does another thing too. I think it changes our own heart. It, it reminds us over and over again. It gives us the same heart for these people that I believe God has for these people, saying, hey, God is looking down and saying, I want them in relationship with me. And it gives us this reminder every day to live our lives intentionally, to build into them intentionally. So it's about living intentionally. The next thing it's about is live in community. See, we believe here at Bridges that being a part of a church is, is integral, is crucial to what it means to be a follower of Jesus because we are not in this Christian journey alone. It's not just this personal relationship with Jesus. It is this communal relationship that we as a church have with Jesus and also individually. And sharing our faith should be no different. It's not just that it's only about me and you and a one-on-one relationship and all the weight is on my shoulders. That part of what we want to do is say, hey, whether or not you are willing or ready to accept Jesus in your life, come hang out with us. You can be a part of our church even if you're not interested in that. Or you can come hang out with us. And so one of the things we want to do is we want to build what we're going to call intentional communities. And this is not anything new. This is not a program you have to sign up for. Don't worry. All an intentional community means it's the people, it's Christians in your life that you say, hey, together, let's hold each other accountable. Let's let's be involved in each other's lives. Let's together try to reach out and see our friends come to know and worship Jesus. It's about doing it together. It's about community. Now, here's the deal. If you're in a life group, you are in a good place. Because a life group is an awesome place to start this, right? As a life group, you can do things. We're asking every life group to three times over the course of this next year, just do something socially, throw a party. The first one is on Super Bowl Sunday weekend in three weeks. We're saying, everybody, do something this weekend. If you're not a sports person, do something else. It happens to be uh, Chinese New Year, Asian New Year. So maybe it's just throwing a, a New Year's party, or maybe it's a hike up Mission Peak, whatever your small group is into. We're saying, just throw a party and invite your friends to be part of. Don't make it a program. Don't don't make it about inviting your friends to be part of your Bible study. Just say, hey, you know, a bunch of friends of mine from church, we're going to be hanging out, we're going to watch the game, you want to come over, it'd be fun. And it's, it's allowing people to see the church, to experience the church, to experience what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. It's bringing those two social circles together. Uh, if you're not involved in a small group, in a life group, let me... Uh, just kind of say this now. We were going to have a big life group expo this Sunday, and because of the water issue we had, we weren't able to do it. Um, so what we have done is we have done these little blue sheets, okay, and they're in everybody's bulletin. And these have all of our life groups on it. And here's what I'm, say- I'm asking. If you're not in a life group, I would encourage you for the next six months, from now until June, join a life group so that you can be part of this Breaking the Mold campaign with a community, with a group of other Christians, that you can do it together. And if at the end of six months you're like, hey, I don't have time or that wasn't for me, then quit the life group. That's cool. But for, give it a shot. And so um, these little papers, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to give you guys a second to kind of read through them and you can uh, check boxes. And if you check a box, that doesn't mean you're signing up for a life group. Don't worry. You know, you can just kind of freely check boxes. And then either the leader of that life group or Ken or somebody on staff here will give you a call and just answer your questions about that group. So you can just say, hey, TWEC, that sounds interesting. I wonder what that stands for, you know. And you can check that group or you can check a couple of them and you can find out more information. And if you have no idea, you don't even maybe know what a life group is or you don't you know, know if it's for you. You can just write your name and information on the back here and say, Ken, call me, right? And Ken, our pastor of spiritual formation, 
he'll give you a phone call and, and kind of walk you through it and coach you in that. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you guys like three minutes to kind of read through this. If you want to check some boxes, check some boxes. Um, and then when the offering rolls along, you can, you can drop it in the box. So go ahead and read it over. Just an FYI, I um, heard this morning that the North San Jose Milpitas group is not meeting. So if you check that box, you'll get a phone call saying that. So, But you can keep filling that out as I'm talking if you want. You won't hurt my feelings. And then you can just put that in the, the offering plate at the end of the, the day. Okay, so, so far we've talked about living intentionally, living in community. And the last of the three is is live for the story. And this is really where the rubber meets the road. Our goal in this campaign is not just to have lots of uh, kind of interfaith dialogue, right? It's not to get more friends or just to get your friends together. It's not even about us growing as a church. The heart of this is that we as a church share the story, the story being the story of Jesus, the story of how God, the creator of the universe, is pursuing a relationship with his creation. It's about making God famous. And that's what this campaign is all about. It's, it's about living every aspect of our life for the story. Reminding us of Paul's word that says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of salvation. And I think part of what we need to do is just remind ourselves of that story. Be reminded of our own conversion story when God transformed our life. Be sharing that with each other and also sharing that with those outside of this church that we can openly share, hey, let me just tell you about the God I worship and how he's changed my life. One of the things we're going to do to help us with that is we just want to practice sharing our stories and doing it in a way that we can all hear each other's stories and be excited about what God is doing. So we've created a website that's uh, www.btm2014.com. And on this website is all the information about the Breaking the Mold campaign and kind of some explanations on that and some videos and stuff. And on the bottom, we've got this section called Stories. And one of the things we want to do is we want everybody at Bridges to spend a couple of minutes, to put three minutes on their cell phone or on a little video camera on your computer or fancy video camera, whatever you got, and just tell your story. Hey, my name is Nate, and this is my break in the mold story. And tell the story about how God has changed your life. That can be the, the point where you first discovered Jesus, or it could be the 10th time you discovered Jesus. But get online, keep it less than three minutes. And what this will do is it will help us share this story and practice saying this story in a way that makes sense and it's concise. And then, too, we as a church can be stoked on what God is doing in each other's lives. If you don't know how to do that, you can come see me. I can record it for you and put it up on there. There's a video online on that website that explains how to put it. You're going to actually upload it onto YouTube, and then we can steal it off of there. And all the instructions are on there. So please do that. And if you can do it by next week, we're going to start putting these up next week. And we're just going to be able to go to this website and see all the ways that God is transforming our lives. So this campaign, it's about living intentionally. It's about living in community. And it's about living for the story. And we're going to be making a commitment to make sure that we're doing this. And in two weeks, we're going to have a commitment Sunday. And we're going to be breaking stuff on stage. And we're going to be writing stuff on pieces of broken stuff. And it's going to be cool. Um, but you need to be thinking about what this commitment is so you can prepare yourself for it so in two weeks you don't get caught off guard. And here's the commitment. First is pray. And that's that we ask you to pray for five people every day. Same five people for an entire year. Pray for them. The second thing is to invite them. Invite them to be a part of your spiritual community. Again, this is not inviting them to church necessarily. It's not inviting them to be part of your small group. 
a Bible study, this is about inviting them to be a part of your network of Christian friends, that together intentionally you can live this out. And the last thing is to engage, to engage them in a spiritual conversation. And we hope that all of us will be able to experience this with our five friends over the course of the next year. And if you're in a life group, we're asking life groups. In the same way a lot of men's groups, like they start off all their, their Bible studies kind of like holding each other accountable for purity. You know, hey, how was your walk? How was your purity this week? We're asking life groups to hold each other accountable to this. Start your life groups off saying, hey, how are you doing with your five friends? How have you been sharing? Have you had any opportunities? And together, we're going to do this. And, and I believe that as this happens, we're going to see some awesome stuff occur this next year. I believe God is going to transform our lives, and he wants to transform the lives of our community, our friends. And I don't think Bridges is going to be the same after this year. So let's, let's take a moment and pray and ask God just to break our own molds and uh, maybe ask God to, to challenge us with what our commitment needs to be. So let's pray. God, you are awesome, and we worship you. You are, um, you are the only story that really matters. Without you, there is no life. Without you, there's no hope. And you are the God of salvation. So we just trust you and we praise you. And we pray that we become um, worthy servants of you, that we honor you in our lives, that we make you famous in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Bridges Community Church, located in Fremont, California. For more information about Bridges Community Church, please visit us online at www.bridgescc.org.